don't think I feel old at all. I think this is the youngest. Why am I singing? Welcome to another episode of In Rehearsal. We went dark for a, a whole month, a whole six weeks. Um, but we are back and better and more determined than ever. Hello. I am your host, Misha Maseka, and the hockey jersey to my gray cup is Misha Maseka. Um, Heather is not here today as well. I know everybody's probably like, boo, bring back Heather. She's coming. I have been every which way and nowhere near Heather and haven't really been coordinating schedules with her, um, but Heather will be back. She'll be back. Uh who else feels like June was a pretty heavy month? Um, May a little bit too. May and June were some pretty heavy months. You know, on top of everything that's going on with COVID-19, um, the world has been waking up to a lot of systematic racism and overt racism and finally, you know, starting to dismantle exactly what systematic oppression looks like specifically for the African diaspora and the black community in North America. And it's interesting because, you know, the reason me as me as a as a person, me as a an artist, me as a black artist in North America, I've I've started this podcast and I started this journey of dismantling you know, the systems in place within the art world and why the center was usually centered around white male art or, you know, when we think historically who has determined what good art is, it's more or less um, European and descendants of European males. Um, that's a bit of a tangent, but uh yeah, so it's interesting. As in rehearsal, me personally, I was having very a, a very heavy month. And though so much of the discourse lately has been dismantling systemat systematic racism and all of that good stuff, it was still just really, really heavy. And I just needed to cry and heal a little bit so that I could think straight. Um, and any who's a what's-its... What else has been going on other than, you know, doing our anti-racist homework? What else have you guys been up to? Um, we have a fabulous episode today. And it, you know what's so crazy? We recorded this episode before the catalyst that is George Floyd and his death. We recorded this probably three weeks before George Floyd's death. And for... Anyone who m might still be scratching their head in terms of um, why George Floyd has, quote unquote, been made a martyr, um, you need to read a book and do a quick Google search and maybe sit at the feet of a professor of African-American studies um, for you to get your answer, because I'm not here to argue. But, um, you know, George Floyd has been the straw that has broke the camel's back um, when it comes to racism, particularly in America, and has kind of snowballed into globally us re-examining and examining maybe really truly for the first time uh, why p 
people hate black people so much. Um, so uh, anyway, it's interesting. So we have a black actor who works predominantly in Alberta, Tanaj Williams. Um, and it's so interesting because our conversation really organically just centered around his experience as a black actor in Alberta and kind of all of the systematic, uh, systematic, have I been saying systematic this whole time? Systemic racism, uh, you know, in place and in the theater world and him kind of moving through life and through the industry as a black actor and, you know, dealing with doubt and identity and all of these things. And it's, it was just, it's so insane how timely this conversation is and obviously as two black creatives talking um this is the stuff that we talk about anyway um but zooming out globally and socially right now uh what a gift for him to be so candid and honest about his um, experiences as a black actor in canada and you know just so graciously dragging the whole theater industry and i love it i love it i love it so you know without further ado here is tanaj williams i was never late everyone was just simply early in an industry profiting celebrating and still centering youth Actors' journeys can sometimes feel like a race against time. And yet, Tanaj Williams, a Calgary-based actor, is one forging his own path despite starting what would be considered very late. Born in the Bahamas, raised in Turks and Caicos to a family that was not one full of performers, Williams still managed an early start, singing in church, which evolved into a love for theater. Williams talks of his journey into acting, and the strengths and lessons of being self-taught. So I finished business school while, while st definitely pursuing this. And then when I finished and I got a business job and everything, a big boy job, I was like, this could be my life for the next 40 years. Like I could literally be in this office for 40 years, eight hours a day in this particular office. And I, I panicked. Like I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I, and I was doing a show at the time and I was working with this really great director who was a professional director. And I kind of just picked his brain about it. And he's like, you can do this if you want. Like, you're great. Like, here's what you need to know. Here's what you should improve on. Here's what you should do. And I just spent the year figuring that out, getting monologues, uh, taking classes, doing all the things like working on my resume, talking to people, figuring out what it is I needed to do to be able to do it. And then... I just started putting myself out there, auditioning for things that I had no business auditioning for and taking all the criticism I could take, the feedback I could take, and eventually some doors started opening and people started saying yes to me. I never tell people, don't go to theater school. I, I think that it's it's good for you. I think that I would never say you don't need to. I think a lot of people do need to go to. I think I could have benefited from going to it as well. I had to really put my nose to the ground and, and figure it out. I'm still learning. I still learn every day. No, it was something that I was very... Uh, insecure about at first because I didn't know anybody else who hadn't gone to theater school who was auditioning professionally and now I really do believe my resume speaks for itself and I I'm confident enough to know that I can bring something to the table it either is something what you're looking for or it's not 
that's out of my control. It's one of those things, this is an interesting industry where there's a lot of people out there that really believe theater school is the key. Like, the training is everything. And I would question that because I know so many theater school artists. I mean so many who don't do it anymore. Not because you're not talented, but theater school broke you. Like, truly, you have a bunch of antiquated notions of what you think it is, the industry is, and it's oftentimes not. I find sometimes they, they there's one way to do things for certain people, for certain mm-hmm. schools of thought. And I, I, I don't subscribe to that. I think everybody's different and you have to figure out what works for you. And the beauty is no actor is the exact same. You can't bring the exact same thing to a room. That's what makes you individual. So you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to take what works for you. Shed some of the bad habits because we all have bad habits that don't mm-hmm. work. Shed those, but but mold yourself into the artist that you need to be. And that happens sometimes in theater school, but sometimes it doesn't. I had worked previously in a professional office and time definitely, I was aware of, of it, how slowly it was moving or how fast it was moving. But when I was working in rehearsal, I was I would lose track of everything. And when I'm working, when I was working just in general, in the industry, whatever it is, whether it's creating whatever, I found my drive was 15 times more. So... It was never, it was never a, a push to get me to go above and beyond. But when it was for my job in the business world, I had to really like tell myself, no, sit down and do this. Whereas sometimes I, was, I would forget to eat when I was working. I would forget to, you know, rest. I would just be like, I'm so focused on this project. And, I'm, and you know, it was bringing me, it would be exhausting, but it would be giving me something as, as well. So I found I was surprised at how, exhausted I was but how much willing I was how much further I was willing to push myself because I loved it so much without even realizing it like I was just I want to stay up late and I want to learn this or I want to do this or I want to do this and because you want to do it you 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 find a level of motivation that wasn't there for me previously not everything that is faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it's faced James Baldwin The reality of moving through the theater industry as a black actor is one that is apparent through the feelings, experiences, and traumas shared among the African diaspora. Yet, until a few weeks ago, this reality had been disregarded and ignored. In light of recent events, the conversation of the industry making steps to change and better include diverse and rich voices has finally come to the forefront. Tanaj talks of his experiences of acting in Alberta and the change he hopes for. I've had actors say these certain things to me without thinking they're being racist or that they're being yeah racist is the word i would use because we seem like i feel like white people white people run from that word when it's like that that's just what it is we we i can call it something different for you to feel more comfortable but i i'm kind i don't i don't need to that's let's just call this you know shovel or shovel i i can't earn a role realistically Mm. because if it's a role, if it's, for example, a role for a black ma- a male or whatever in a show, which rarely comes around, but if it did, everyone will say, well, of course Tanaj will get it. Like, who right. else will get it? Do you know what I mean? I didn't earn that role then in their mind. But if I get a role for a white person, for example, which is the majority of my career, uh, people will say, well, they needed a person of color. So, hmm. you know, they got Tanaj. 
So I've never earned a role in my life. You know what I mean? And I was like, and people will say that to me and they will expect it to not be hurtful. Like, they're just like, well, of course you got it. You know what I mean? Like, who else would they get it? Or I got cast in the Canadian premiere of The Color Purple and people were like, well, yeah, there's not that many black artists. So of course you did. You know what I mean? And people will say that and they may not say it in the tone that I just said that, but they will not think there's anything wrong with that. Whereas and I don't think I bet, let me see. I've never said to someone, well, you got it because you're white. Right. You did, but I didn't say that. And it's, it's so hurtful, but people say that all the time. I am 100% sure there's people out there that think the only reason that I have gotten as far as I have is because I'm an actor of color. I have found the industry, for me, and I tell this to artists of color all the time that are starting out. I, am, I consider myself still starting out. I'm still figuring this out. But just put yourself out there. There will not be rules for you. I, I, I've rarely seen roles for me. We have to work 10 times harder to be taken seriously so on a subconscious level where if it's a family, people still think that families all are supposed to look the exact same. And that's not true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We pander to, these, to the audiences thinking, well, in order for it to be authentic, the brother and sister have to look identical. That's not true. That's not the real world. And there's so many different shades to people. My family is so many different colors. And, and, and it just takes a, a, a smarter mind to realize that people will get it. People won't even question it because they see it all the time. So go for those roles. And as much as I hate saying this, be better than everybody else. You have to because in order for them to at least be like, well, let me think about this. You know, let me see if this would work. You know what I mean? With my art, because it's different than the vision that we probably had or the vision that it's been done previously. Mm -hmm. Let's think about this. You have to be better. So that means you have to come in more prepared. That means there's no excuses, basically. You have to control what you can control in the sense that you come in knowing what you can do because you have to prove to them. You have to, you have to be good enough for them to be like, let's think about this. Do you know what I mean? Let's consider maybe we can cast this differently than we thought. Um, and I call that black tax, but I have been told to go to Toronto by a lot of people. And I might, I truly might go to Toronto, but I'm trying to believe that, that, uh, Calgary has something to offer me and Mm. Calgary has been, has been good to me. It's going in a direction that I wouldn't necessarily say I am excited about, but (laughs) I think that there is grace. There is grace there. And I think that hopefully we, I believe that we will try to move in, uh, uh, a better direction everybody if you were to ask any artistic director or any director in they would say oh yes representation is important but i i would question how important is it because if it's so important are you okay with just putting up an entire a show of entire white people is that something that you're completely okay with i hear a lot of reasons why people decided to have an all-white cast I am excluding anybody in the community theater world because you take what you can get. But if you're in a professional company and you have the means to find someone of color and there needs to, we need to stop making excuses as to why we aren't. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Chromatic theater is a brilliant theater run by the even more brilliant General Rogers uh, here in Calgary who does a poll of shows and, and include how many people of color are in these shows. And there, you'd be surprised this year on some pretty big stages, there were entirely white casts. And the director said, well, I tried. I tried to find artists of color, but I, I just couldn't. That is an excuse to me. 
And mm. if that person would feel attacked by that, uh, that, um, by that, that by me saying that, I think that you should re-examine that because mm-hmm. if it was super important to you to include every single member of your audience, to make it inclusive so that every member that doesn't look like the person on, on stage could feel included, which I think is of utmost importance, then the answer to that isn't, well, I tried. It's, mm-hmm. I failed. I'm sorry. Because there is room for grace. I am yeah. not saying we're perfect, but at least own it. I, I have a hard time when people can't own it. When it's just like, well, I tried. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find anybody. When I know for a fact that those people, that's not true. And I know people, I, I wasn't even brought in, I wasn't even asked to audition. Like I asked to audition and they were like, Oh, it's you don't fit anything. So it's like I, I don't know. I'm like, did that happen to other people? I'm not the answer to that. Mm. I'm not saying, well, they should have cast Tanaj. Tanaj is the answer. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, was what? Did you give that same answer to other artists of color? Because that was the answer that was given to me. Was that right. don't audition because you don't fit anything. You have to acknowledge the mistake in order to move forward, right? So at at an Alcoholics Anonymous group, you start by saying, hi, my name is, and I am an alcoholic because you mm-hmm. have to own it to move forward. When yeah. you don't own it, when you just say, yeah, we couldn't find anybody. You're not owning the mistake and therefore it can probably happen again. But can mm-hmm. you imagine how much more success we would have if a director would say, I can't even believe it. I did not find a person of color in this show. I'm so sorry. I'm going to do better. I would be mm-hmm. so much more excited to see them actually try than to be like, well, I tried. A lot of people try to do things and do it. I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting crazy about this, but it's like. <laughs> That's okay. That's it's just, okay. yeah, we have to start owning it because then I don't see the change. How do you start making change without accepting that there needs to be a change? It's interesting because I, like you, was not born in Canada. I moved here when I was uh, 12. And because also it was the 90s. So like, what is what is the language that we have now to kind of like tangibly name some of, you know, the traumas that we've had to like unpack as adults? We're like, oh, okay, so this is what was going on because I was actually internalizing the fact that I wasn't seeing myself, you know reflected back to me and and that vicious cycle of like maybe they're not seeing or not finding as many artists of color because artists of color are are constantly being discouraged right being like well why would i even you know constantly taking themselves out of the race because it's like well this is for an ingenue and i'm always the sassy side come on (laughs) yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right for the role of Juliet. 100 percent. why should i put myself through that like even if i did get an audition a lot of artists are saying why would i put myself through having to you know pay that black tax of being incredible when there's not a role for me like realistically Mm -hmm. i'm trying to change your mind because i want this job it's just it's it's a it, it is a cycle for sure that there are some brilliant directors who are working on it like I can name a few. Even Simon Mallet is one of those persons that I'm like, I know that guy is always trying to make sure that he's making a, a conscious choice and he's such mm. a good director. And like, there's so many people out there that I I have so much respect for, but we make allowances for a, a lot of other people out there that have been in the industry for maybe a little bit too long um, that I, I think that we just need to start calling it what it is. It's racism yeah systemic and racism it yeah. is systemic racism and if you're not a part of the solution chance you might be a problem part of the problem and that's up to you you don't have to be right. you can change that narrative moving forward let's make sure that you don't 
you, you know, you can change that. And, and people, the white fragility of that truly is if you get called the racist, that's people die. Like they will go to the, like they get, they can't handle it. They're like, you're, you're kidding. Like I would ne- like if yeah. I was having a conversation with a person like that right now, they would be so offended at yeah. what? At my observation, because what I said was facts and you are upset about it. And it's just like it, that, all that stuff. I, I, I don't have a lot of patience for it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like you can, we can all ag- address that there is a problem. So, so be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. My hope for the yeah. theater industry in Calgary is that we would be okay with being uncomfortable. That we would collectively realize the importance of marginalized groups, whatever that is, and that we would tell stories that aren't safe, but that are important. Don't get me wrong. I do believe there is value in every story. Like, I love me a good Little Mermaid. Do you know what I mean? Like, put the Little Mermaid up. I'm not saying I need to be moved to tears with every single production. I'm just saying, let's just find a way to tell stories that include all kinds of people and get creative about it. And and let's see where that goes, because I think people are ready for a change. Let's get excited about changing things and seeing what that does to the story, because it always adds another layer that people don't. Even if you don't address it, it adds another layer. And it's exciting. It's exciting for myself. I know it's exciting for my peers. Like, it's just we've seen it done the conventional way. We've seen the typically beautiful person lead the show. Beauty comes in so many different shapes and sizes. Let's let's show a beautiful person that is beautiful that doesn't have to look like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's see dancers that aren't all stick thin. That, you know, I believe there's so many self-identifying plus size dancers out there that can can do the choreography and can reach a whole other group of people and mm-hmm. and change body image issues like there's just so many it's easy ways to to send a more powerful message and my hope is that we find a way to do that and that we succeed actors are artists walking a thin line between personal and professional Their instruments are their bodies. Physiologically, one's body does not know it's acting. Think about it. And this is the magic of live theater. It's the closest thing to real life. Entrusted into safe, creative direction, this is a true depiction of art reflecting and revealing life. That's why we go to the theater. Sweat by Lynn Nottage is a Pulitzer Prize award-winning play about friendship, race, the societal dynamics that influence career and jobs. Tanaj Williams played the character Chris, a man with an all-too-familiar and real ending in the play. He talks of the difficulty of playing such a reality and what keeps him grounded with a strong sense of himself and balanced mental health. One of the shows I finished, it was uh, called Sweat by Lynn Nottage. I did it at Theatre Aquarius. And that one was hard for me because I showcased some things. It's a brilliant play. It's a completely brilliant play. But I showcased certain things about being a black male that I love and certain things about being a black male that I don't love. I needed people to see it. Like, I get why it's in there. Lynn Nottage needs people to see this. But I was like, for me, I was like, oh, man, I just... These, yeah, like, for example, he uh, gets violent 
uh, at ah. the at the end of the play, and he kind of is the one who ends the fight. There's a big fight at the end of the play, and he's his friend kind of instigates it, and he tries to separate it, and he ends up getting upset because he gets attacked, and then he just launches and he ends the fight, and then I end up going to jail longer than my partner, my friend who was doing who was with me who instigated the fight because I am I'm a, a black male, right. which is a thing that happens. Uh, Obviously, I don't want to say obviously, but yes, that's the thing that happens. So I end up in the, I end up going to jail longer, and it's so interesting because Lynn Orange has this character as he wants to get out of this town. He actually, you see, it, it jumps all over the place in terms of timeline, but you get to see Chris um, want more from his life and work for it. While while his counterpart, his best friend uh, Jason, who is a, a white actor, uh he doesn't want more. He's like, this is great. This is life. And so Chris is, he, he's working so hard to, to be able to escape the life that he has. And then he gets caught up into something and he loses everything. And that is so common for, for black folk in uh, America, especially right now where, you know, it's just wrong place, wrong time. Um, Mm -hmm. And ends up getting punished harder. I loved showcasing, a black male who wants more. That for me was everything. I was like, yeah, he was working for it. He he had a vision. He had a goal. I hated when he lost it. I was and and yeah, and it was so important. I I believe it's there for a reason. But like that was something that I was like, I I wasn't sure exactly if that's what Lynn wanted. I think it might have been. We might have put a different spin on it. I'm not sure. But it's it's hard to to watch that. You know what I mean? And it was hard to live that and to know that that character messed up in it and, and what it did to his family, what it did to his mom and what it did to his own future. And, and living in that was probably the hardest thing because he has a scene at the beginning and at the end of the play where he's with his parole officer and he just breaks down because he's like, I was, I had it. Like if it was just, if it was just less, if I just could have missed those four minutes or whatever it was, I could have been in a completely different place. And now I have to live with that. This is who I, this is what it is. And like, you know, it's not easy being a black man, especially a black man with a record. You know what I mean? And so he has all that weight mm-hmm. on him. And it's, it was, it was tough, but it was, it was beautiful. It was, it was truly at, at its depth. It was beautiful. Uh, these people's lives, even if they're fictional, they have value. They have merit because you see yourself in them or you see aspects of society in it that you think is so important. And it's so fun to get to explore that. I think mental health is huge for actors. I think it's probably one of the biggest components where I know a bunch of actors who I I would honestly say you should not do this. Not because you're not talented. Talent is very, is probably, it's the baseline of what we do, but because you don't have the fortitude for it. This industry is so, the highs are so high and the lows are so low and you can ride the waves and sometimes it's harder. And I find for me a big, component of that is is separating it so it's you have to have a strong sense of self outside of being an actor you have to know who you are and a big part of that is my faith like i i am a christian and i find that that helps me find my own value outside of theater where i and i i genuinely believe there's a plan for my life and there's a plan for what i do so you know nothing happens by coincidence so if i don't get a role that just i truly believe that just that was not meant for me i meant to do something else and I find that helps me. Um, so I would really suggest if for any actor, you need to find your self-worth somewhere else. It can't be in this. That applies for ge- in general for anything, like your relationships, for your for any job, any career. Because 
you know, some jobs are much more stable. Ours is completely unstable. If your sense of self is there, it, your sense of self rises when you do well and it falls when it does bad and it just takes a toll on you. Holy cow. And what we do is so personal. And so uh, you put so much of yourself out, th out there that <laughs> when you get a cri criticism, it hurts. It's not like you added these numbers wrong. It's like you take it personally because you are being vulnerable. You're pulling things yeah. out of yourself and you're sharing them and people don't like it and people are very critical and that's kind of the job. That's kind of the point. The job is very critical. That's why you have people coming to judge your work. And so uh, the best thing I can, I can say to someone is find your self-worth and whatever it is that you can, like, it just ha it can't be in your job. It can't. To be free is knowing the truth and knowing your end. To be safe is knowing the truth endlessly. In Canada, actors make up 7% of the population. In Canada, black people make up 3.5% of the population. You do the math. And yet the majority of audiences continue to consume and celebrate black art and culture, from jazz to hip hop, trending TikTok dances and slang. If the consumption and use of blackness is everywhere, why is the value and use of black artists not? The Canadian premiere of The Color Purple was a glimpse into Canadian black excellence, into the value and use of black artists nationally, and the importance of black representation on the Canadian theatre stage. Tanaj talks of his experience immersed in the story and rehearsal room that looked like him and how it changed the way he worked. And that show was the first time I'd worked with an entirely all black cast. Um, and so the bonds that we formed were strong. They were, they were real, they were familial bonds. And that was the first time that the goodbye was really hard. Usually when at the a closing, I, I'm not usually too emotional at closings because most of the time I'm like, I came to do a job, I did it, great, let's go. Um, <laughs> but this one, I was like, I just cried and cried and cried because I was like, it was, I was mourning the transition of a show that changed my whole career and my whole life. The Color yeah. Purple was everything I never knew I needed mm. in the most beautiful way. It exposed so much of my own insecurities. It exposed, but it also met me with people who feel the same way I do. Uh, I remember when I first got offered the show, I didn't think I would get it, but when I first got offered the show with the most brilliant freaking director that's on the planet, Kimberly Rampersad. I was scared. I don't know if I've told this anybody, anybody this, but I was like, well, if I work with only black people, people will look down on me for that. Like, I legitimately thought that. Like, I thought I was like, people will think, well, of course he got this big show because he's black, even though they auditioned across the entire country. I'm so used to making myself smaller. I'm so used to dealing with what people would have to tell me, especially here in Calgary about like, well, of course you'll get the show. Like you're a black singer and you're a boy. And so I was already insecure you're the about token. that. Yeah, exactly. I was so yeah. insecure about that. And our beautiful director, our fearless leader, on the first day of rehearsal, we had the entire company and of actors, the cast, the people who worked at Neptune Theater, everybody came into a room and our director got up and in front of everybody, she said, she addressed all of that. And we were all crying. She power started and she said, welcome to The Color Purple. You guys are the best black actors in the country that I could find. 
And for the first time in a lot of your careers, you'll be working with people who look like you. For the first time in all of your, in your career, she was speaking directly into my heart. She's like, you will not have to justify why you're in this show. You will not have to justify to your character what, like why they belong in this space. You will not have to make any exceptions. You can bring 100% authentically who you are to this moment because that's what wow. I need. And crying already at that point. And she's like, white people want us to fail. They expect us to fail because they, this doesn't happen. They don't give us spaces like this. They don't put productions like this out. And we will not fail. We will mm-hmm. be excellent in everything that we do. We will bring all of that weight to what we do as actors because that's what we do. As black actors, we understand what it's like to have to be the best in the room. We understand that and we're going to bring that to the show and we will be excellent. And we coined the phrase, not maybe we didn't coin it, but we just worked under the, under the phrase of black excellence, where everything that we did was it had to be black excellent. Like we were like, we will be excellent. We will not accept this. We will not. We've been taught to accept this. We will. We will aim for that, and we will succeed. And we came with a fire. Everybody came to work, and we created something. And we we it was everything. Like it was it was a. All of my insecurities, all of the things that I was nervous about, all the things that I couldn't even verbalize because I didn't think I had a, I had space to verbalize things, I got them affirmed with those people. I wow. never once was able to say, I'm uncomfortable that there's only white people on that stage because I was so sure that someone would judge me for that. I was so insecure about not taking up room because I have to be grateful for every single freaking opportunity that someone gives me because I don't deserve them. That I had to be quiet. I had to make myself smaller. Where these beautiful, beautiful artists said, they affirmed me that I am everything that I need to be. And I don't, I can take up space because I, I deserve it. As a person, I deserve it. We all deserve it. Right. And I had been so used to being so small and to being just so grateful to be that token that I never aspired for more. And they created a space for me to, to, to break out of that. And it was it was everything to me. Like it was so eye-opening, and the show itself is just beautiful and mind-blowing, oh, heartbreaking, and yeah. heartbreaking. And you add all that in, and then I met all these family members that I still talk to and I still love, who in the industry have the same experience as I do, or have have moved past that. That I could draw strength from. That I could be inspired by. That I could be myself entirely with. And it was. I, I truly wish that everyone gets an opportunity like that. What would you tell your 15-year-old self? If I took 15-year-old Tanaj out, I would say, first and foremost, the things that you think matter don't. So don't be concerned with X, Y, and Z and what they think of you because you won't talk to them in a few years. Also, I would tell him how cool he is, like right now, <laughs> being like, don't worry about that. Don't think about it because you're cool. Like, you're really great. So you don't have to prove that you're great. You don't have to work at being great. You are. Follow what you want, and I promise you the people that you're supposed to meet and the people that matter will be there at the end. Tanaj Williams, this was great. Thank you. I had so much fun. Welcome to show notes. Wow. That was something. I don't know what that was. It definitely wasn't good. It wasn't bad, but it was something. You're welcome, DJs, who are going to sample that in some sort of, you know, mix. Um, There's a lot of background noise because I am in my family home 
and asking them to be quiet is hard. So we're just going to leave it in for some, you know, atmosphere, ambiance. Uh, Tanaj, Tanaj Williams, what a delight. What a candid, bold, refreshing delight. I hope you guys learned something today um, through his experiences and strength of conviction and just even, you know, yeah, just his experience and his story. Um, I think this conversation, like all the conversations we've been having, is are super important, are super important. I am so grateful that I got to virtually sit down with him and kind of, you know, talk through really the tip of the iceberg of his experience as a racialized actor in Canada. Um, And, you know, now more than ever, it is a time for us to listen with our ears open. And I know that sounds redundant, but yeah, we need to get better at listening, you know, and doing something about it. So, you know, Theatre Alberta, And what I mean by that is the entire theater community of Alberta, the entire theater community of Canada. It's your move now. What are you guys going to do better um, to make sure that the people and the bodies that you have telling your stories actually reflect uh, what the world looks like? Um, I love what Tanaj said about, you know, we need to stop telling stories that are safe but start telling stories that are important i think um the people are bored of safe stories of the safety that comes with the same kind of trope and arc and beginning middle and end and characters and don't get me wrong i think there's cliches for a reason because there's truth in you know cliches a lot of the time Uh, but yeah, it is a much needed time for us to revamp storytelling and, um, we will see, we will see 2020. What a year already. It's been, you know, pretty, uh, I don't even know what the word is, uh, but it has been an interesting year for sure. And one that I am very thankful for, you know, in all the stresses and kind of like, slowness of life this has been a time for us to globally reflect and dismantle and get back into the rehearsal room and process through things um because at the end of the day it's the process and it's you know working out all the kinks that give us purpose in life uh which is what this entire podcast is about so Again, thank you, Tanaj. Thank you, Tanaj. I feel like I'm rambling and talking in circles and talking nonsense at this point. But uh, Heather will be back very, very soon. She'll be back very soon. Um, If you don't already follow us, follow us at In Rehearsal Podcast. What are you doing? And you can find us on SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, Yeah. And if you just want to like throw a question in for the next artist that we interview, we have five more episodes in season one. I am so thankful for just all the people that I've gotten to talk to. Wow, wow, wow. This has been amazing. Um, But if you have any any questions for us next season, season two, throw them in our DMs on Instagram. Uh, 
I am Misha Maseka, and the fedora to my 2006 Justin Timberlake is Misha Maseka. This has been in rehearsal until you hear from us next time. Goodbye.